This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. A study from the payroll service company Paychex finds that one in six retirees is considering a return to the workplace. We'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, minutes from the most recent meeting of the Federal Reserve are out today. Let's take a closer look with David Jones, chairman, DMJ Advisors in Denver, author of the book Understanding Central Banking. David, thank you for joining us today. This covers the meeting that uh, ran from January 31st to February 1st. A lot has happened since then. So does the potential exist, David, for this uh, commentary and discussion uh, to be uh, become instantly dated? Exactly. I think uh, that's the best way to say it. I see no big surprises in the February 1st uh, minutes. Sometimes we get surprises, but I don't think we're going to get them this time. And it looked like the end was in sight as far as the interest rate hiking cycle was concerned. But then the uh, consumer price index came in hotter than anticipated. The, uh, the, the PPI index came in higher than anticipated. That really underscored the, uh, the Fed's contention and Jerome Powell's contention is that they really have to uh, gut this out until uh, inflation is back at that 2% target. And remember, we got that big, payroll increase in January of 517,000. That was just a shocker to everybody. And an unemployment rate that that dropped to 3.4%, the lowest in decades. And on top of that, the idea the economy was going to probably come in stronger than expected after almost everybody was looking for a recession. All those factors, uh, suggest things have changed a lot since that February 1st meeting. You have to uh, look at some of the progress. Inflation now at 6% from 9% last summer. And uh, did the forecasters believe that maybe they could clear that 6% threshold uh, rather easily? And now it would appear that number is rather sticky. Exactly. And that was the big debate, remember, between the Fed, which said inflation was going to be sticky, particularly when the Fed split inflation between goods prices, which were coming down, and core service inflation, which was getting, uh, excluding housing, which was getting stronger. And so uh, the simple reality is the Fed is far from finished with its job, meaning higher interest rates, and they're going to keep them there longer. Uh, have we are we still talking about a uh, soft landing, hard landing, no landing scenario, or do you have to drive the economy into the ditch once and for all to uh, wring all the inflation out of it? That's the big debate, and I don't think even the Fed knows how that's going to come out. I think they're just going to look at the data as they go along, but I will make a bet that we'll see 
more quarter point rate increases um, in March, in May, and probably in June. So by the time we get to mid-year, we're at five and a half percent, and who knows, maybe headed to six. So tightening is not over. And then very quickly, David, this is for the people who listen to these conversations and say, you know, the job market is great. I can uh, name my own price when it comes to salary negotiation. Why do I have to take the haircut here? Exactly. And I think what we're going to have helping the stronger economy, wages are going to start growing faster than inflation, which is going to be really good news. That means higher real wages, the economists call it. Uh, that's the best thing for a consumer's pocketbook. David Jones, chairman, DMJ Advisors in Denver, author of the book Understanding Central Banking. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, things people need to consider before unretiring. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. People considering a return to the workplace after retiring need to consider several important things. Let's get the perspective of Tessa White, author of the book The Unspoken Truths for Career Success and host of the podcast The Job Doctor is in. Based in Salt Lake City, Utah, find her online at thejobdoctor.com. Tessa, thank you for joining us today. Now, when we talk about unretiring, does this mean that uh, you go back to your old office and you have to give back all of those uh, happy retirement gifts to your coworkers, or could it just be finding a new job after you've uh, gone off to that sunnier climate? Well, I hope for most people they don't have to go back. That would be terrible. I think for, for many people who are unretiring, it's a combination of, you know, they need more money to pay the bills or to help with uh, health care but they want to do it on their terms. And so I'm seeing a lot of job stacking, smart job stacking, by the way. For example, uh, a trucker who wanted to take up uh, a route to Arizona and now spends a couple of days golfing while he's there, or a teacher who might return to not to this classroom, but says, I'm going to do tutoring or zootering, which is tutoring via Zoom, and they can do it on their terms. So I'm seeing a lot of people take what they know how to do and need the flexibility in their life, but still bring in some money. And this is not necessarily because of financial hardship. You may find yourself uh, just kind of restless in retirement, and you want to do something, and uh, why not just do something that uh, brings in a little extra money, but also uh, appeals to your interests? My dad is a perfect example. He loves to fly fish, but he can't fly fish every day. So he's looking at a job at a place like a sporting goods store. And he's also tying flies online and selling them, which I think is fantastic. So what are are some things you need to consider uh, if you are thinking about not entirely unretiring, but uh, possibly picking up a gig or two or three that uh, lines up with your interests uh, even after you've officially retired from your career? I think the starting point is to make sure you're really crystal clear on what a win looks like. You don't want to feel trapped into something after you've retired and and you're coming out of retirement. What are the things you know how to do well? What are your requirements around flexibility? And how can you use your knowledge to make money? We're in a wonderful time in history where you really can use your knowledge to make money in, in multiple ways. And it isn't just going to work anymore. 
Does the potential exist uh, if you do go back to work? Go back to work that you may endanger or jeopardize your retirement health care benefits or pension. Um, that there was some sort of calculation based on years of service, and if you go back to work, you could upset that equilibrium. I, you know, I, I need to do more research on that. To be honest, I'm sure that there are some things that you need to be aware of about that. And what you don't want to do is go backwards. Clearly, that wouldn't be a win for anybody. But I think there's so many options. Um, there's so many options for people between gig work, which is just finding a, a niche need and filling it for people and waiting for those orders to come in, to actually going back into an office-like environment, but doing something that you enjoy, to um, you know taking the skills that you have, like a nurse, for instance, and doing home health check-ins maybe instead of going back to a hospital. I'm sure each of those have their own, you know, implications around uh, taxes. So I would recommend that they check with a tax advisor on that. But I think there's just so many options to choose from. And and, and I'm sure there are a lot of people uh, who have since retired who got jobs at golf courses so they could uh, golf for free because they uh, they, they like Absolutely. to find themselves on the course uh, one or two days out of the week. And, of course, there's the, uh, the story about the uh, late, Channel 7 meteorologist Jerry Taft, who was an Uber driver in Florida after he left TV because he just liked talking to people. So there are just lots of things you can do. Tessa White, thanks for joining us today. The Job Doctor, based in Salt Lake City, Utah. Coming up next, Microsoft announces the preview release of its new Bing and Edge mobile apps. Cashing in with conversation, the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Microsoft is bringing its artificial intelligence chatbot to the Bing app on iPhone and Android. Let's discuss the developments with Shelley Palmer, professor of advanced media in residence at the Syracuse University Newhouse School of Public Communications, CEO of the Palmer Group in New York. Follow him on Twitter at Shelley Palmer. Shelley, thank you for joining us today. How Always does the, how does this app uh, work uh, inside your smartphone? You, it sounds like you just press a button, you ask the smartphone a question, and then the AI goes to work. So it's integrated uh, with a, the same kind of navigational tools the desktop is. And, you know, there's been so much controversy about whether this is going to be good or bad for everybody. It's ultimately very good. There are some modes that they are proposing now and they're rolling out, which are more verbose and less verbose. And I think Microsoft is honing in on, you know, how each of our own personalities uh, will be uh, better interfaced with the tool sets. So if you're someone who's all business and you're just you're using it for productivity, that's going to be one thing. If you're using it for search, that's going to be a little more verbose. If you're using it for um, companionship, heaven help us, it'll be more verbose. So um, they're going to roll this out you know, into every product, literally, that they make. It's not just that it's going to be available on mobile search. The plan at Microsoft is to put this into uh, Outlook, put it into PowerPoint, put it into Excel, and uh, just across the board, Microsoft Word, of course, so that uh, you can enhance productivity across the board. And how does this differ from, say, uh, using Siri to perform uh, various uh, iPhone, iOS tasks for you? It's an interesting question and an important one. You know, each of the voice assistants, whether it's Alexa Voice Services or Siri or Hey Google, has their own limitations. For example, AWS, um, with Alexa Voice Services, it's really English only, and it's, it's very tuned to shopping. 
when you ask it a question about the general world we live in, it doesn't always have a good answer. Siri is a little bit better, but it's not a search engine, not in any way. It can search certain things. And certainly if you're in the car and you ever tried to talk to Siri, it will tell you, hi, you're in the car and I, I can't look on, on the web what's happening. Whereas um, this is going to be a, a true search tool where, where you're just interfacing with search in a different way. Rather than having to come up with key phrases or search terms, or Boolean logic, if you want to be good at it, you are going to be able to just speak conversationally to Bing through ChatGPT, the interface, and get search results. So, you know, you, they're very different. Every, even if you were just to go through Siri and Alexa and Hey Google you know, by themselves right now, each one does a very different thing. Um, this is going to be much more like Google than it's going to be like uh, Alexa or Siri. And then, Shelley, just one observation here just goes to show you how everything old is new again. Um, I'm old enough to remember the search engine Ask Jeeves, and mm -hmm. it was designed to make web searching a little less and a little less intimidating, a little more uh, personable. Yeah. And now, uh, thanks to artificial intelligence and Chat GPT and 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 similar technology, we're right back where we were with Ask Jeeves, except now it's Ask Bing. And a lot, and it's a lot more powerful. But yes, everything old is new again. Look, these ideas have been around since the beginning. The question is, the, was the technology available? And now it is. Right? And that's a good part, right? The tech is available now. So it still needs a little work. A lot of people are going to be complaining about this for a while. And you and I are going to be talking about it for months. But, but on balance, uh, this is the beginning of a brand new era in, in search. Shelley Palmer, professor of advanced media at Syracuse University, the Newhouse School of Public Communications. Find him on Twitter at Shelley Palmer. Thank you for joining us. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 1059. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Illinois is among a group of states working to stop rail movement of a potentially dangerous chemical. President Biden discusses the Russian invasion of Ukraine with leaders of European countries. Personal Finance Wednesday strategies to get a running start on retirement. An American truck maker is equipping its electric vehicles with a hands free driving system. WBBM Business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 108 points. The Nasdaq is up 73. The S&P 500 is up 17. We have 34 degrees right now with light rain with temperatures hovering in the 30s. Some rain, freezing rain, sleet and ice all on the forecast for the Chicago area. It's 1231 topping our news at the half hour in the wake of the toxic train derailment in Ohio. The Illinois Attorney General is trying to keep some chemicals off of trains in Illinois. 14 Attorneys General including Kwame Raul are opposing a special permit request by a company to ship cryogenic liquefied ethane in train cars in the U.S. Gas Innovations LNG Refrigerants is the name of the company. The facilities in Marcus Hook, Pennsylvania, they're not saying where they would be shipping the substance in the United States. Raul's office says ethane is a colorless, odorless, highly flammable hydrocarbon gas. It's used in the petrochemical industry. 
Raul points out Illinois is a major rail hub, and it could cause big problems if there's some sort of a derailment like what happened in Ohio. Cisco Coda, 105.9 WBBM. President Biden met in Poland's capital city today with a group of Eastern European leaders. The president met here with the Bucharest Nine, the group of NATO leaders whose countries are closest to Russia. As NATO's eastern flank, you're the front lines of our collective defense, and you know better than anyone what's at stake in this conflict. Asked by a reporter for his view of Russia suspending its participation in the New START nuclear arms treaty, Mr. Biden said Vladimir Putin is making a big mistake. Stephen Portnoy, CBS News, Warsaw. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are higher today. We're joined by Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager with MacroTides.com, based in San Diego. Jim, thank you for joining us this afternoon. A little bit of a bounce-back day for the markets after uh, yesterday's session, which was the worst of 2023. Uh, Is it just uh, simply people looking for bargains today? Yeah, a little bit. And the other thing, you know, the market was driven lower, Rob, yesterday as Treasury yields across the whole curve uh, rose uh, with the 10-year exceeding the high that it made in late December. Today, Treasury yields are down a little bit. So I think that has spurred some buying of the big cap stocks and so forth. Um, You know, I I think the bigger issue, uh, Rob, is as we get into the second quarter is how the economy performs, because I think the market has been resilient primarily on the idea that we're not even going to have a soft landing. We're going to have no landing. And so the biggest test, I think, for the market will be when we get data showing that the economy is slowing meaningfully. And, you know, that may not arrive until we get closer to mid-year, but I think that's the real test in coming months. Now, under a no-landing scenario, you are constantly dealing with inflation flare-ups that uh, will clamp down on profits over time. Uh, Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, again, uh, I think no matter what landing we get, uh, the economy is definitely going to slow in the second half of this year uh, based on higher interest rates. And I think uh, uh, that will lead uh, the uh, those who are looking for earnings to continue to climb uh, up 10 percent this year. That really will start to challenge that thesis. So if you don't get earnings going up, then I think uh, the multiple on the S&P, which is over 18 right now, becomes a little high. Uh, so a lot depends on the economy uh, in the next you know, six to nine months, Rob. I'm in the camp that I think we're going to see a definitive slowdown as we get past mid-year. And then uh, there's a lot of discussion, especially as January clicked over into February. You saw that uh, great rally to start the year, uh, whether or not we had found ourselves now back in bull market territory. Um, Is it safe to say this was merely a bear market rally because those things exist? Yeah, they do exist. And that is my bias, Rob. The market was oversold. The sectors that were down the most last year have enjoyed the biggest bounce. So you saw a rotation after the beginning of the year into those beaten down sectors. Interest rates came down, as you know, during January and the first part of February, which helped multiples to expand. And the whole thesis here is that we don't have to worry about a recession anymore. As you I'm sure recall, last summer, everybody was like, oh, two quarters in a row, we got a recession. The Fed's tightening into a recession. The sky is falling. And now the reverse has happened where people are not worried about a you know, a soft landing. There's more focused on the no landing. So sentiment has shifted really significantly since last summer regarding the economy. And that, I think, is what really has underpinned the rally along with those other factors I just mentioned. So the test is, 
when we see a slowdown, how will the market handle that? And then very quickly, Jim, uh, we're just a couple of minutes away from the Fed minutes being released, but uh, does that have the potential to move the needle at all? Because it sounds like it's instantly dated. Yeah. I, I Well, again, I think you saw Mester last week, uh, Bullard last week, both said that they favored a 50 basis point hike. So I think the bullish or hawkish tone is already kind of factored into the market, and we've just had a recent you know, pullback. So I think you're right. It's likely not to cause a whole lot of uh, ripples in the market just because most of the news, if you will, is already out with yields already having climbed uh, in the last uh, two, three weeks. Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com in San Diego. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, it's never too soon to start saving for retirement. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday. Wednesday and this afternoon we're looking at retirement planning especially for individuals in their 30s and 40s. Let's get some help from Tony Orgorek, founder of Orgorek Wealth Management based in Buffalo. Tony, thank you once again for joining us this afternoon. If you're in your 30s or in your 40s and you were assessing the state of your retirement accounts, should you factor in the great recession and the COVID downturn in your calculation? Did those two events in financial history and world history uh, dent the uh, retirement accounts of uh, millions of workers in that particular age bracket? Rob, in a word, no. <laughs> I think that uh, a lot of times people look back on, and, on some of these events and you know the fact that there was a lot of downside volatility in the market and they get fearful of the future. And you have to understand that you know the reason people invest is to outpace uh, inflation, which, you know, you can see what the effect of it is, uh, you know, especially over the past couple of years. So if you're in your 30s or if you're in your early 40s, you probably should be at least 90 percent in stocks. The smart way to go is to continue to contribute a fixed amount uh, every paycheck. And um, now, depending on your tax situation, if you're in a lower bracket, put it into a Roth 401k if your employer has that or contribute to a Roth IRA that way. But if you can just keep making regular payments, you actually want the market to go down. You know why? Because for an equal dollar amount, you're buying more shares as the share price drops. At the end of the day, it's all about owning as many shares as you can. A couple of years ago, Tony, I did a uh, seminar for recent graduates of Marquette University uh, as an alum and uh, just mm -hmm. talking about some things that uh, you need to know now that you're in the professional world. And there was a long discussion about uh, you know not racking up a ton of credit card debt uh, while, while, uh, <laughs> while, while uh, uh, curating your social life, as it were. And the other thing was to uh, jump on top of uh, retirement saving as soon as possible. I mean, I think a lot of people who uh, you're 22, 23 years old. You'd much rather have the heftier paycheck than uh, have the money go into an uh, IRA. Uh, you maybe put that off for a couple of years. But how do you cost yourself by uh, kicking the can down the road until, say, you're 25? Yeah, you know, Rob, years ago they used to have a, an ad on TV. It was for Fram oil filters. And it was called, you know, pay me now or pay me later. What people fail to understand is if you can just put away a relatively small amount when you're very young, uh, if you wait 10 years, you'll be amazed at how much more you have to put away every month in order to get to the same place as you would have been 
you know, had you started putting, you know, whatever it is, $50 a pay, $100 a pay away. And if you can do that, I think that really makes uh, a whole lot of sense. One other point, most people have high deductible medical plans and they can put money into a HSA, a health savings account. It's all pre-tax again. Theoretically, it can be invested over time. But the bottom line is if you have out-of-pocket medical expenses, it's like saving, you know, a third on a medical bill because you're paying with pre-tax dollars rather than after-tax dollars. Should you trust retirement calculators that you find online? I mean, there are a couple of, even, even like respectable financial institutions have a, you know, plug in how much you got, how much you're making, uh, what level of growth you'd like to see. Uh, are they yeah. reliable? Are they a good kind of, uh, does it help you find the ballpark of where you want to be in retirement? Well, let me tell you this. There are two ways to look at this, Rob. You know, one is, you know, looking for some terminal value in the future. And the other is what you can do today. And my advice to clients is you should be putting at least 10% of your pay. If with your employer's contribution, it can be 15%. That would be great. If you're putting away 15% of pay, you're going to be fine for retirement. If you can put away 10%, I think that should be the minimum that you're doing. If you can do that and do it regularly and have it uh, invested in, uh, you know, uh, index funds, uh, you're probably going to be fine. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters is what you can do today to help assure your financial future. Tony Agoric, founder of Agoric Wealth Management in Buffalo, New York. Thanks for joining us today. Join us this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday. And still to come, an American electric truck maker is preparing to release vehicles with a hands-free driving system. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Phoenix-based electric truck maker Nikola plans to debut a hands-free highway driving system next year. Let's get the details from John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv based in Detroit. John, thank you for joining us today. Before we talk about the details, a quick question about Nikola. Is that affiliated with Tesla in any way? Because that was uh, Nikola Tesla's first name. (laughs) Great point there, Rob. But no, there's no connection between Tesla and Nikola as far as the companies go themselves. Tesla is coming out with its own electric semi-truck, but Nikola is too. Uh, They're not in the market just yet. They plan to be there next year, but they've got electric. And at some point in the future, they're also going to offer hydrogen fuel cell powered uh, semi trucks as well. But the big news here, like you're saying, is they have this hands free driving. They they teamed up with a a Silicon Valley company called Plus, and they've got uh, a semi autonomous system. This is for the highway. And it's hands-free, but the driver still has to be alert. This is not one of those systems where, you know, you turn it on and then you climb in the cab and go to sleep. <laughs> you know, it's uh, but it'll handle just about anything on a highway, stop-and-go traffic, going through turns, uh, lane changing, anything like that. So for drivers, truck drivers, especially long-haul truck drivers, this is going to take a huge load off of them. You know, it's not going to be nearly as tiring driving a truck like this, Rob. And and so it sounds like this is uh, a system that is driver assist and not driver replace. That's right. I mean, driver replacement is, is probably going to be coming, but not with this version, not just yet. You know, there's there's legal reasons, there's regulatory reasons, and 
then there's just you know natural apprehension of do you really want to put your 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 life in the hands of the system but oh. like i said having said that it, it it's a pretty good system are we ever going to get to a point where there are self-driving trucks and self-driving uh, freight conveyances um where simply the driver will be obsolete because you do have self-propelled vehicles and self-driving vehicles and computer-controlled vehicles and thinking about the uh, people mover at O'Hare, but that is on a fixed guideway away from a lot of other hazards. Uh, so is, is it possible that you could see an autonomous vehicle in an area where they have to compete with nature and other drivers and weather and, and just the, the hazards of everyday transportation? Yeah, but it will come in steps. And the first step will be, like we're seeing with Nikola here, where you do it on the highway. And especially if you're talking about long-haul distances, where there's no cross-traffic, there's, there's no stoplights or anything like that. You're just on the highway. Maybe you got to get off to refuel at a fueling station. But it's a whole lot easier for an autonomous system to cope with that. Then the next step from that is what they call geofenced. And as long as you're within this geofenced area, a car will work just fine. And then slowly over time, over decades, they'll just keep moving those geofence posts until these vehicles can operate in a whole lot more areas than just on the highway. John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv in Detroit. Thank you for joining us today. You will find past programs and later today a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.